Welcome to season two of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie Elise, leadership and relationship coach by day, comedian and writer by night. I'm on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way leaders think and the way the world communicates. No more welcome to my TED Talks and Dear Abby advice friends. It's time to ha start having powerful conversations and exchange of ideas without being attached to an outcome. These are the components of a witty and wise conversation that has the power to transform the way we live and lead in a profound way. These rules are based on the Coactive Training Institute, and I've seen personally how it can create space for powerful connection and authenticity. Rule number one, nobody gets to be wrong. You hear that? Don't email us and tell us how we're wrong. We already know. <laughs> Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. Rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. And rule number four, my favorite, everything is included. So if a cell phone goes off, a garbage truck goes by, you're going to hear it in this podcast because we're not editing anything out. It helps keep the authenticity real. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You will be heard. There is space for you. Conversation is meant to be a dance an ebb and flow, a back and forth exchange of energies, thoughts, and emotions. The wit we bring to this conversation releases endorphin known as the painkiller. You actually feel better when you laugh. The wisdom we bring to the conversation will be seen in the impact this conversation has on everyone who hears it. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask you, our listeners, and our guest, three questions. I usually only have two. I've added a third. This is our first episode for that. If you've tuned in before, you know what the first two are. And if you haven't, you don't want to miss them. Without, without anything else to say, welcome, Susanna. That is my spiel. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most brilliant and rich intro, Katie. I, I don't even think you need me. I just want to sit back and listen to you. Ah, uh, this is why I love bringing coaches on. They know exactly how to compliment after listening to you speak. <laughs> so no. let's talk about Susanna. Susanna oh Matthews has been helping people overcome their dating frustrations for over 30 years. Having previous careers as a writer, media personality, college instructor, and in customer service, her love of people and for her personal development motivated her to become the date maven, a dating coach and matchmaker. Susanna creates mindset tools, social strategies, and digital tactics that help her clients elevate dating and deepen connection. Her and her partner also offer unique insights on dating in your 40s. You hear that, ladies in your 40s? I just met that bachelor at the age of 44, so it's possible. Welcome, Susanna. Thank you so much, Katie. What a delightful introduction. I am so excited today um, to hear about how your dating frustrations have, have helped you create these strategies, these mindset tools. Um, right now, dating is a disaster in COVID. Um, so we're going to pick your brain about how this, all the single ladies can meet someone. Um, but before that, how did you get started? Well, it's kind of a, you know, long and windy road of a story, but um, I was in a, a situation in life where it seemed like a lot of my friends and my students and people in my orbit would come to me for advice about their dating and relationship uh, questions and challenges. 
And at the same time, I was having struggles of my own. I had relationship uh, pain and heartache and, and confusion that I wasn't exactly mastering myself. So talk about the definition of irony. <laughs> People wanted answers from me. Who was I going to get answers from? Yeah. And I will say the number one thing I run into when people say, well, what's a coach other than someone that had a problem that they solved? Like, ah. well, it's an interesting, my, like my rebuttal to that is, well, this is a problem that people are still trying to solve and these people have solved it and they're willing to share it with you. Uh, and so thank you for that. Thank you for dedicating your life's work to matchmaking. Well, my, my pleasure. I mean, it, it really does uh, bring me a lot of joy and it, it does my heart good to see people connect not only for love and romance, but honestly also for business as well. I feel like I, I get to bring people together for friendship, for professional uh, development and collaboration, and then of course for um, hopefully love and, and ever afters. Yes. That's actually how I found my man was I was looking for business advice and he was in oh, marketing. <laughs> nice. Well, then you got a twofer. It you was a twofer. Uh, what were some of your struggles as you were going along the way? Like what are some of the themes that you see for women? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, there was a time I, I really didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, and that's the, that's the true definition of ignorance, right? You don't really know where your blind spots are. Um, there was a time prior to training as a dating coach and matchmaker when I didn't really know what love languages were. I didn't know what attachment styles were. I didn't really understand how childhood trauma factors into shaping how we pick a partner and then how we resolve conflict and communicate with that partner. Um, you know, fast forward, I think I've read all the books and checked all the boxes and I'm, I'm still learning and growing though. Like there's never um, a time where I think I'll feel like I've arrived mm -hmm. and I have the whole body of knowledge. And, and you mentioned prior to um, coming on air that you were launching an emerging leadership program for teens that was neuroscience based. And I started to get a little tingly because I love reading about uh, brain functioning and how that factors into the process of uh, the neurochemical um, element of uh, developing feelings and falling in love and attachment and, and all that. Ooh, this is going to be a fun conversation. Um, I have not gotten to the module yet in my neuroscience course on relationships. It's actually a specialization that I'll be getting. So um, I have some general knowledge, but I'd love to hear some of your background in that and what you well, yeah, I don't have so much a formal background as I sort of geek out over it. So I'll probably yeah. be the one. You know, calling calling you for information, but I always find that whenever there's some kind of psychophysiological phenomenon going on, whether it's um, I feel all butterfly around this person and my toes tingle around them, or whether it's I feel really nervous about walking into this networking event and I feel scared and like I want to just stand in the corner with my drink, you know, whatever the body's response and the mind's response to that, I have always found it helpful to be able to step away from and out of that response by simply understanding the process that's happening in the body. So if I can understand what's happening to my breathing, what's happening to my uh, respiration and my perspiration, um, then I can kind of go, oh, okay, that's not me. In other words, that's not my identity and who I am. That's just a psychophysiological response with a certain like rush of XYZ chemicals. And you know, th this is why I'm feeling all weird and sweaty and my face is turning red or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of helps to like step out of that and go, and other people experience that too. I'm not the only one. Absolutely. So what I just heard you say is that you allow your body 
mm-hmm. process the emotion that you're feeling, which is yes, what we're intended to do. And um, so, which is why we say you have to feel it um, and then you can understand it. Um, yes. And oftentimes we feel and then we understand, but then we need to feel again to really get a sense of a new perspective once you've allowed that to wash over you. Uh, right. And, and I know it goes against everything in people's, you know, makeup to, to, to embrace the anxiety or embrace the fear. We say run toward the fire, run toward the flame. Um, but when you can kind of discipline yourself and train yourself to do that a little bit, you really can overcome those fears and those challenges. You can. And that's why we both believe in coaching and why we see it firsthand transform people's lives. In, Amen, yeah, in the Coactive Institute, uh, one of their, their coach trainings is on process, processing emotions. And what they say is what you can't be with runs your life. Mm. So if you keep avoiding that anxiety that you feel, if you're not allowing yourself to go there and experiencing that, and where a coach can guide you, where therapy helps for people, is there's, there's a lot to create from when you lean into that emotion. When you really lean into the anxiety, um, what you can see is what's available to you in that moment is, well, I can focus on my breathing. You're feeling anxious because you can't control something or you're yes. not sure what's about to happen. You're attached to, to this anxiety. And so allowing yourself to understand that brain and body connection is so powerful. So I already know you're an amazing coach because you Aww. are getting people into their bodies <laughs> to feel it well, uh, so that they don't have to you. let it run their life. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I kind of, I'll be honest with you, Katie, I'm, I'm not perfect. And I wish what I was saying wasn't true um, because I, I do know and believe that whatever the rub is between the two, two members of a, a couple, two, two people in a union, whatever is the thing that is most aggravating and upsetting to them, that is where their work is as a couple. That is the thing they need to hunker down on. And trust me, I wish that weren't true. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it any more than anybody else wants to do it. I hate it. I don't like bad feelings. <laughs> Absolutely. So right now I'm going through a move and um, we've got a lot of feelings happening in this relationship, yeah. <laughs> right? Bachelor had, his, had a place for 12 years, leaving that town. Um, I fought really hard for my bachelorette pad. I mm. fought really hard to have a two bedroom so I could have an office, a place for dad to sleep, um, and build a life. And so anytime you decide you want something more like a relationship, you've got to let go of some things uh, and not it. just physical things. <laughs> um, and, uh, someone had sh- shared this with me once about dogs and how after they have a dog fight, they'll shake everything. Like they'll shake their bodies because they're shaking off this fear and this emotion that they had. Uh, so I have been after getting, going through my own coaching, um, on my business, also realizing I'm going to have to process moving in and, uh, everything has been easy breezy so far in this, in the relationship. Um, not that it's been bad. It's just been a, an opportunity. This is why I tell people feel it because you can create more from it. It's been an opportunity to really deepen our understanding, um, of how we can support each other through a time where we both feel really anxious. 
Nice. You, you know, I have to say, I, I think that the partners of coaches and maybe even the partners of matchmakers, they, they get extra layers on their halo or extra stars in the sky or something because we are always talking this way to them, right? We are always like ready to process and well, let's talk about this using this model or what about this framework? And, so I you know, learned in my first marriage, I don't do that. Okay. <laughs> You don't, you don't bring it home. <laughs> no, no. But I do ask questions and I get really careful because I know that he can probably hear sometimes when I ask questions, like I get really careful about how I word them um, because I really am curious. I am asking because I'm curious. I'm not asking because I want to fix. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking him um, because I want to do anything other than just to sit with that knowledge and know what my partner's experiencing. I did not do that in my first marriage. I'm a teacher. I want to fix things. Sure. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, that's kind of what first marriages are for, not to sound cavalier at all, but many of us do have that in our backstory. And, you know, if you walked out with any le without any lessons, it's maybe time to kind of turn around and look in the rearview mirror and, and see what can be extracted from that experience as far as some uh, introspection and some do-betters and, and some learning opportunities. But it sounds like you took that. You took that from that that relationship? Yeah, I, um, I'm an entrepreneur. And so we have our brains work a little differently than everybody else's. And I realized I need to choose a partner who, uh, whose brain also <laughs> supports that. Um, you know, there's linear, linear thinking, there's creative thinking, but there's also that trust that you have within yourself that you can create a life, literally like you, insurance and paying bills. Like you literally have to believe that. And you really need a partner, um, in my opinion, from the entrepreneurial side that whatever that support looks like for them, um, they're with you. Amen to that. Yeah. And, and that's not, uh, it's easier said than done. Not everyone's up to the task. I get that. There are people who are really wired for security and safety, yeah. and then others of us who are really wired for novelty and adventure and variety. And of course, we all need some blend of the two, right? Like no one is all or nothing. It, they don't exist in absolutes. But I do think that somehow entrepreneurs are either a little more comfortable sitting in the ambivalence of, of life and business, or we've just found ways to kind of deal. And sometimes that's really hard for the non-entrepreneur to do. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know if I would say ambivalence. That's an interesting word. Now I'm mulling over it. I did, I just completed that. I was looking for my notes from my neuroscience on the leadership and the brain of the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, but really, you know, our amygdalas are a little bit quieter because mm -hmm. we're used, like we know that that fear for me, I know that that's connecting to, okay, what value am I not honoring? Mm. Um, what am I trying? Like, I don't feel fearful when I'm doing things that are mm -hmm. in line with my values that are headed towards my purpose and match my goals. So I have really the neuroscience of your brain of like, listen to that, not as, okay, maybe I should get a job or am I going to make money? Or like, well, what's practical, but to slow down and say, what feels out of alignment here? And I know I value freedom and flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, and so the thinking I was having in that moment was not freedom and flexibility. It was thinking about security. Yeah. Um, so maybe the word is not ambivalence at all, but rather ambiguity. And so I apologize for misspeaking, but there, there are just certain unknowns that are going to exist and they are not going to be resolved tomorrow. Yes. And so that's a lot to sit with. Yeah. And you don't have to ever apologize on here. We're just having conversations. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We're not well, solving world problems. But I think that when people listen, they will 
connect with something that could help them, their natural creative resourceful self solve their problem, which is what we get to do as coaches. Love it. Yeah. So you're based in Wichita and you connected me to, uh, to Andrea Hatton, who's an amazing Wichita woman, uh, running a co-working space. And I have to say, I, I have worked in co-working spaces. I want to work where she, what she has. Like it needs oh. to be everywhere. Yeah, like, come on we, down. We <laughs> we'll got a lot of real estate sitting empty. Like let's like, <laughs> like, okay. like I'm like let's make this happen in New York um, because it is such a cold environment for women, mm. and we're already expected to walk into corporate America and fit the male model of what this looks like. And now here we're walk- choosing to work from home. We're go- mm. but we're going to a co-working space because we need some structure. We want that community. And it's not, um, it definitely doesn't play to the female. I don't, can you describe a little bit for us what your co-working experience is like? Cause people that are listening, if you've ever been in a WeWork, it's not like this. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, yeah, it, it is a, a warm and welcoming, uh, community. I would almost liken it to a sorority, although I don't want to do it a disservice by using that word. I wasn't a sorority girl myself because I think I had some biases about about what that meant. But it's sort of a more grown-up sorority, if you will. The women here are, for the most part, very supportive of one another um, and engaged in learning and uh, just just very interactive, even even as we've all been physically apart and distance for the last five months. The online community is a really big component here. It's nice, of course, to have a co-working space to get out of the house where you're not looking at the dishes or tempted by the laundry or trying to multitask and do personal things. That's, that's an obvious. It's also nice to have a place to meet with clients. So as coaches and, and as a matchmaker as well, I don't invite clients into my home and I, I want to have a space that can present as professional. But I don't need a... Uh, a bricks and mortar space all to myself. So it really solves that problem, but it also kind of solves the problem of, I, I think of like the this Sheryl Sandberg book, Lean In, and, and well, so what next? Like what after that? Well, it kind of fills that what next uh, space of how women can support each other's growth and uh, help each other rise a little bit. Yes. And so that model is my mission for every company out there <laughs> to have women who are not, we're, we compete, we can absolutely show up and compete with each other. But in the business world, when we show up and support each other, all of us grow and all of us benefit. And men, um, in the WeWork space, it's definitely feels a little bit more competitive at times, a lot more posturing. Mm. Um, and I love that when COVID hit this model that Andrea developed was COVID proof. Mm-hmm. He shared on her podcast, like this gap that she had, which wasn't even that much. I know it's Wichita, but this gap right. that she had in rent, that she was able to pivot into this back burner project that she's had, which is to share how you build these businesses because she's been doing it. And WeWork wasn't prepared for that pivot. You know, the, the, the linear thinking of like how this grows right now, like they're sitting on a ton of real estate. I act like um, I know a lot about them. I don't know a ton other than, <laughs> um, <laughs> other than having wor- used their services. And I've used a local service as a co-working space here as well. It was very geared towards tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, there weren't a lot of women there. And they tried to build the community. There was nothing ever online. But women just build communities. Like when you, when you have a woman like Andrea who wants, to, wants every woman to succeed and connects and wants to do all the positive things for women, 
she just attracts all these women that are able to support each other. She is magnetic. And I think too, there's something a little bit special at the risk of sounding ageist. You know, she's of that generation where this seemed possible or this was at least conceivable. And I admire that about her. She's a friend of mine. So I I don't think I'll embarrass her by saying this, but I'm just not sure that someone of my generation would have hatched this egg. You know, we just would have said, oh, these are, things are the way they are. Things are too entrenched. We have to play by X, Y, Z rules. And she was of the generation that said, but why? No, that doesn't make sense. Let's turn that upside down. So I really applaud that. I love that you brought this up because I've been talking to women in leadership who have paved the way so that I'm the elder millennial and millennials can, we can try to really create something that's our own. And so I want to throw this out here then just to toss around. I have And when I talk to women that have climbed that corporate ladder and that are doing the things in leadership, they're not, the imposter syndrome doesn't exist. Like they're doing it. They're either doing one of two things in relationships. They're either, uh, well, they're doing one of three. One, they're not trying to have one because they've, their limiting belief is that you can only build a, build a career at the, you can't build a relationship at the same time. Two, they are in these relationships where they're not demanding what they deserve Mm -hmm. even, but they're doing it in the corporate world. Or the third thing that happens is they climb up, they have their kids, and they're not sure if they want to go for the promotion because can they really take on the extra work? And they've been asking for flex days forever. COVID's disrupted the world. But here's where I think you, the relationship coach, know far more than anybody in HR knows (laughs) or even women themselves know about true closing the leadership gap means that in the relationship, We've got to close that gap where women are still doing most of the rearing of the children and making the doctor's appointments because they're somehow the only ones that know how to manage the coordinated <laughs> Right, right. The psychological labor, the, yes, uh, the, the administrative tasks of domestic life, right. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I'm no whiz and no guru at that because I'm still, I'm, I'm a a Gen Xer, and my my previous or relationships where where my I was raising my kids, you know, I was still very much falling into those traditional roles. I was married to a, an executive uh, individual who really just was a, a workaholic and lived and breathed and ate and slept all things work and um, had many other wonderful qualities. But but uh, being in partnership with that kind of person, that is not the, the dynamic where you're going to try out new, like, hey, let's switch roles. <laughs> yeah. Let's switch this up, you know. <laughs> but I, I do love that um, in the dating environment, one of the things I found was like, hey, these guys were raised by mothers who worked and who went to school and worked and who were leaders in their jobs and in their communities. And so I found it really refreshing as a single woman in the dating market, so to speak, uh, to meet with young men and and, um, a variety of men who didn't have those limitations and were certainly open to um, exploring, you know, different distribution of the workload. Yeah. Well, I think for women, and I don't know if you see this in relationship coaching at all, you've got to be able to, from the very beginning, what, what is it that you expect? Mm-hmm. And when we negotiate salaries, women, we know that we often don't negotiate enough. And I think that happens in the beginning of relationships as well, where there's already this energy that you want to be engaging and you want to attract the person and you're having this great conversation. Um, but there's this leadership that you have to have within to say, 
that isn't going to work for me really early on. And yeah. I like that you use the word leadership. I don't think people think of it that way. And I, I might have to adopt that and start using that word as well. What, one of the things that I ask people to think about up front is about how to be what they want to attract. Right. So if what you, if what you want is X, Y, and Z, and it's kind of this nebulous thing that's out there, well, then you must be those qualities and have those attributes if you really plan to magnetize that mm-hmm. person, whether it's six-pack abs or a six-figure bank account, doesn't matter. Now, the other thing that I will have people do usually at day one or day two of coaching is complete an exercise called must-haves and non-negotiables. And this is a list that spans across five different categories that has to do with their emotional life, their intellectual life, their sexual life, their physical attraction, and then their financial situation. And what are the absolute cannot live without things that you must have that fall under each of these labels? And then what are the things that maybe you can be a little bit flexible on? Again, keeping in mind, if you want X, then you are X, okay? If you want to attract Y, you must be Y. Mm -hmm. And so in nailing that down and really delineating that, it gives single men and women a lot of clarity that they didn't have previously. Now, I'm going to flip that and talk out of the other side of my mouth, Katie, and tell you that once they've made that list, I tell them, okay, put it in a drawer, set it on a shelf, put it in a file. We're not, we're not married to the list. I want you to be flexible as well. So it means sometimes the most fantastic person can show up in the package that you least expected or in the place that you least expected, yeah. but, but at least you kind of have your, your um, positioning system in the back of your brain has been calibrated to those things. Yeah. I love that. So we use different words, but we, we talk about the same thing. I talk to people about values. Okay. Yeah. Um, they are values. Yeah. And you, they are right. And those things are always going to be here. And so like one of my values is flexibility. So I will tell you, I'll make a decision like this is how it's going and then I'll be flexible in it. Mm-hmm. But that value is not ever going away. That's part of who I am. It's not a principle that could change, but it is here. Mm-hmm. So when I started looking at evaluating, like as I was dating Dan, what value is not being honored in this moment that I need to share with him? And why is that important to me? And some of that actually those questions for me led to great conversations with my therapist about things that triggered me from growing up and how I did not want that to happen. Um, and for the first time in my life, because I had that conversation and said, this is a value and this is why it's important to me. Um, that conversation was, I love you and I value, and I want to honor your values Mm -hmm. and that's never going to be a problem again. Um, and it, and it wasn't, and here we are moving in together. (laughs) Um, but I, I like that you have them put the list away. And when you talk about um, you have to be the person, like I'm looking at this book on my shelf, Love, Sex, and Dating. It's the new rules of love, sex, and dating. It's a Christian oh, book. Okay. I always tell people, if you're not a Christian, just read the book anyways and just ignore the parts that you think he, like, that you're like, ugh, he's wrong. Like I couldn't finish the book, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. But what he talks about is you're, what, you need to be who you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what you're saying. And the neuroscience behind laws of attraction is actually really is, is suggesting that these things are true, not suggesting yeah. their MRIs are showing that this is how it works. I say yeah. suggesting because I think science is. Right. There, there's always interpretation of data, exactly. right? We, we exactly. <laughs> 
So, so that's why people have that, that saying about like attracts like. Of course, at the other end of the spectrum, there's also a saying opposites attract. People will often ask, well, which is true? As if it's an either or. And it's not an either or. It's a yes and. <laughs> or it's a and or both is the answer to that. Because again, uh, there's a certain amount of familiarity that makes another person feel safe and appealing to us and attractive to us. But if that person is so identical to us that we are essentially dating our twin or our clone, um, that's where we have a craving or a need for some novelty so that things are interesting and fun and a little more adventurous. So I really try to get people away from that extreme ends of the spectrum in their thinking about that. Mm. I love that. So let's have you share. I, I could ask you so many questions um, right now, but let's, for the audience listening, they want to probably know about tips for dating right now. Like, what do you have coming up? What are you doing to help grow the single community in Wichita? Well, it is obviously tricky with the limitations of C-19, um, just social distancing and face masks and things like that. Um, but I do want to just uh, give shout out to the fact that if this is not already marked on your calendar, ladies, October 4th is National Boyfriend Day. If you have one, be sure to do something special for him. And if you don't, be sure to give me a holler so I can help you with that. But, <laughs> but you want to put that in a, in a big circle on your calendar. Um, I'm actually collaborating with a woman who owns an improv studio here in Wichita, Kansas. My part of my background is in theater and drama. Stop. And oh my I am, gosh. Are you? I'm uh, trying to be a stand-up comedian. We'll talk. Oh my about gosh, that. you need to come to this class. So I'm often telling, especially it seems like my single guys who are very nervous about icebreakers and how to start up a conversation, how to keep it going. I will tell them, you know, improv, it might be the scariest word in your vocabulary, but it will help you so much to be able to think on your feet and to be present in the moment with the other person mm. and to react to what they are giving you and less obsessed and less focused about, oh my gosh, I'm dying inside. I can't believe I'm talking to this beautiful woman or whatever that their brain is telling them. So I really believe that improv skills help us, honestly, not only in the dating environment, but in the professional environment. Think about the last job interview you went on. You may have practiced and prepared, but there was a certain amount of that interview that was probably off, you know, off road. And, um, so those improv skills kind of, kind of save your butt, um, in those types of situations. Yes. And if I could offer neuroscience to share with your clients about this, so I'm witty and wise conversations. Mm -hmm. This is what I think we need to bring into the world is, so they did MRIs with comedians brains, um, mm -hmm. and people that were novice and what they saw, the different areas that lit up for their brains. Uh, it was very prefrontal cortex for people that didn't practice. So they're mm -hmm. thinking really hard mm -hmm. when you're thinking here and you're spending all that time, you're not connecting with the energy in the room. You're not mm -hmm. able to read the room. And so the seasoned comedians, they were really like their, they had their, uh, different, their emotional brain was lighting up as well as their prefrontal cortex. Cause they were pulling on all that practice that they've done. Their brains had changed the way that they make jokes. Like they have a pattern and it makes them funnier and they were able to measure it because then they would share the jokes. And if people laughed and they would say, this was a funny joke. And if people didn't, it was a political cartoon that people read, that they were coming up with for, um, there's a lot of, so suggest poetry and things like that help as well. But the MRIs for jokes, you can just measure whether or not a joke is funny based on the response that elicits. That and it's awesome. Yeah. And so when I think about why I'm going to be an amazing stand up comic, when we can go back on stages again is as an only child, I have been doing improv my entire life. Wow. <laughs> like, I show up to bars all the time by myself. I sit down with a computer. Like 
That's how I ended up meeting. Not because I met my boyfriend there. Don't meet your boyfriends at bars necessarily, but I met a guy who knew this guy and I met that guy at the bar. And, um, but I just, I've met so many interesting people just by, you know, being improv and I, I am at my own walking conversation piece. So <laughs> I'll either have, you know, pink glasses or something to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You want to give people a reason to, to comment, right? Like, so yeah. people can say, Oh, I've never seen pink glasses before. You know, those are really flattering on you. Anytime you can pay someone a compliment, you can hardly go wrong with that approach. I love this improv idea. Yeah. Yeah. So so tell us more about what you have coming up. So we have that. And then on October 17th, I am partnering with Red Hot by Kelly Scott. She's a pure romance consultant and we are offering romance rehab. And it's actually an event for couples. I rarely do anything for couples. So it's pretty novel in that regard. And we are inviting couples in. I realize that even as people have kind of been in each other's way and underfoot as they've been isolating at home, you know, they may have a little bit too much FaceTime with each other, but that's all the more reason probably why they could use a little bit of a reinvigoration of romance, right? Familiarity sometimes breeds contempt. So we are going to do romance rehab with some um, tips and actionable things that people can apply to their relationships related to communication and sort of igniting the fires of romance again and just kind of keep things spicy and interesting. And I'll have information about all these and other events uh, on my website, thedatemaven.com, as well as on our Facebook page for The Date Maven. And you have an incredible website, by the way. I wanted to share. I love the amount of valuable information you provide with your clients so that they can make a choice about who they want to hire as a coach. I have to tell you, I am definitely taking a page out of that playbook because- Uh, it's brilliant. So when you go to her website on the right hand side, there'll be a tab there. I forget what it says that you click on to learn about, um, I think investment in coaching. Yeah. There's an affordability tab. Affordability. Yes. yes. That's it. Affordability. And, um, and it's brilliant because she really breaks down. Um, she educates you. She provides you with a lot of valuable knowledge. And if you are interested in hiring a coach, like she, she has a, a great way for you to kind of test out what works for you. Absolutely. And I think it helps resolve some of the mystery around coaching and matchmaking. And depending on who you hire and the market that they're in and the training that they have, as you know, you can spend anywhere from a few hundred to a few thousand dollars a month on a coach. You can spend 10, 20 or more a thousand on a matchmaker. I usually tell people that a good rule of thumb is whatever you would spend on a nice apartment in an upscale neighborhood of your city for about three months. That's what you might expect to invest in a professional matchmaker. I love Um, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it helps because some people just have no ideas in terms of like, you know, how much of my paycheck is going to go to this. And one thing I always try to do is if someone is sort of considering making that step, I want to have the opportunity to provide some consumer education for them because just like any industry, there are bad actors and I want to make sure to protect people from someone who's going to take their money and not deliver. Um, The vast majority of us are, you know, high ethic, high integrity individuals. And even if someone is not interested in working with me, maybe it's just not a fit. You have to be a good match with your matchmaker for that to work. Um, You know, I'm always full of information on how to select and really protect yourself as a consumer because it's a very personal relationship that you have with your matchmaker. And, and there's just a, there's a certain level of intimacy that's involved. There's a lot of information that people are going to be sharing with me or whoever they work with. 
Yeah. I love that you just, the providing value. When I meet a coach that's just trying to provide value and make sure that their clients are the right fit for them. That's how I know I've met a coach that is not attached to any agenda other than helping their client and serving their client. So I was very, very impressed uh, with your website in that regard. It's, it's very unique. So thank, thank you, you so much for that. Um, any other tips you have for people as uh, we're hitting, I love that you're also offering a service that's very needed right now, which is the romance. Um, what did you call it? The romance rehab. rehab. <laughs> yes. like you're just, you're just answering that response to what the world needs, even if it's not yeah. typically would offer. You know, I, I would tell people not to be discouraged. I know that it's very easy sometimes to burn out on dating and particularly online dating. I always kind of chide people, if you think you've tried online dating, and most people will say, oh, I tried it once. And I say, how long? Oh, a week or a month or whatever. Well, if you tried it for anything less than six months, you didn't really give it a go. And if you did it without the expertise and guidance of a coach, uh, no offense, but that's what we do. We make sure people are putting their best foot forward and optimizing their online dating profile. If you haven't had an expert take a look at your online dating profile and you're just kind of out there in romance, no man's land, and it, it is kind of a wild west, um, then you probably haven't done everything you can to really attract the right kind of swipers to your profile. And we have something called power openings, power conversations, and power flirting, which is a special segment of our program that helps you to be able to actually connect with people online for more than just say a one night stand or a pen pal relationship. You are a hundred percent right on not having the right profile. Like I, I realized that half the time I was on my um, dating apps, it wasn't intentionally to make comedy, but I was attracting people that would make great blog posts. And awesome. I just share my tuna tells all blog posts uh, is hysterical. Like that's all like pre, um, Katie getting a coach, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like just after divorce and like what my dating looks like, but it really resonates when you say the profile makeover, because we are women, we are trying to choose photos that we think we look great in. Like we're mm -hmm. not we optimize our business Facebook pages. We optimize our LinkedIn pages. Like you are a leader of your, in, in all areas, right? So why mm -hmm. would you not want to optimize, um, the area of your life that is most important, which is that person, your partner. Well, right on. And, and I feel like your, your boyfriend would probably weigh in on this, you know, in marketing, it's all about what does your audience want? What are they looking for? What's going to make them act on your call to action, so to speak. So we really take a business and marketing approach to those online dating profiles. Brilliant. And every good businesswoman is a chief marketing officer of her own empire. So here, well here. done. Thank you so much for joining us. I could talk to you for hours and hours. I know we um, could. <laughs> Bill, again, uh, I host uh, Bring Your Own Brain Conversations, the first well, I was going to do the first Wednesday, but that's today and it didn't happen. So next Wednesday, um, the second Wednesday of the month, I'll be hosting a Bring Your Own Brain on business and leadership. Would love for you to join any of these. I do them uh, monthly. Um, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, I have. Uh, I allow men to come on for these conversations. <gasps> oh my goodness, important. not men. <laughs> yes, we've got to have both hormones present um, in order to get the the best conversation. And so they're kind of they're bring your own brain is literally you know, bring your brain and let's talk about leadership. And this particular episode is talking about as we're Veronica Kieran calls it the quicksand. As we're yeah. in this quicksand 
um, what new foundation, you know, do we want to build as it settles? What do we want that to look like for leadership? And I am really passionate about closing the leadership gap, not just in HR, but the female leadership gap at home in the relationships, which is why I say I'm a leadership and relationship coach. You can't be a leader if you aren't in relationship to others. Mm. If you're in relationship to others, you are a leader. And we, as coaches, we know that they are naturally creative, resourceful and whole. And I love that we get an opportunity to help people see that in themselves as we, like, I imagine if someone, if you were to optimize my social, my dating profile, I can't imagine like just how good I would feel. (laughs) (laughs) You would stand a little taller. Yes, you would. would walk a little taller. Because now I'm like talking about myself differently. And the, the, you know, positive change theory, we know because of MRIs that it is far more transformational um, than any other type of change, the theory that you're looking at. And so if I'm hearing you talk about me in a marketing way that I've never talked about myself, and now I'm journaling in that positivity journal about who I am in a different way, because before, you know, my Bumble profile said, you know, that I was hilarious and like all those things, like, I didn't need to put that out there. I could have showed up. <laughs> you could have just that. been hilarious. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, um, I just, I would have looked at myself differently. I would have looked yeah. at myself as the wise and witty woman that I am uh-huh. instead of just the witty. Ah. Nice so perspective. Okay. <laughs> All this woman, she, I, I, I fully recommend you. I will, I have so many women who I can't coach them. <laughs> Um, but you know, COVID also for women that have said, I, I'm building my business. I'm not interested in dating. Like this gave them pause mm-hmm. because they didn't have those friend dates and they didn't have the gym and they didn't have the yeah. interaction. So, uh, the time is now. And, yeah. um, if you want to climb the corporate ladder, um, you've got to be able to be a leader in your own relationship as well. And that means that men can make doctor's appointments too. <laughs> Preach girl. <laughs> Um, so I have to wrap up, uh, where can we follow you on Instagram, Facebook, all the places we can get information about you? Oh my, well, I'm woefully inadequate on Instagram, but I am a expert social coach, uh, on Instagram and Susanna Matthews, one T and Matthews. Uh, really the best way to visit with me is email Susanna at the date maven.com. It's S U Z as in zebra, A N N A as in apple at the date maven, M A V en.com. Awesome. And you can learn more about having your own witty and wise conversation with me at owlprofessionalcoaching.com. I offer 45 minute, um, transformational coaching sessions, but I also offer a podcast open to any woman that wants to come on and share. And if you are a man, bring your own brain and you can join us anytime on a Wednesday. Um, one session of coaching is all it takes for you to start to transform your thinking. So when you're considering a coach, really consider what kind of service that you're doing for yourself. You are going to align your heart with your brain. You're going to create the relationships that you desire, whether that's in the corporate world, professionally, or personally and at home. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Owl Professional Coaching for witty and wise words from yours truly and on Twitter at underscore Owl Women, where we release all of our podcast episodes Sunday night. I've been a little lax on this. I'm moving. Um, but you'll get them by Monday. Um, you can also go to the website, um, owlprofessionalcoaching.com. You, we uh, also release our episodes there first. So, 
Um, so the last questions I ask, so Susanna, I'm going to be up front with our guests because I know you've made it this far because you want to hear these questions. I've added a third question because this woman and I have tried to have this podcast for three times. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> we and get it, points for sticking it with it. Depends. And I wanted, I, because I wanted to do so right by you on this episode, I was prepping so hard. I found that I originally had three questions and I just kept forgetting to ask one of them. So you're going to be the first one to answer this question that oh everyone else will get to. So number one, what's your superpower? Oh, holy cow. My superpower is flirting. <laughs> <There's> no, <laughs> I think even, you know, my family would concur. My superpower is flirting. It's just, uh, I love learning about flirting. I love doing flirting. There's platonic flirting and there's sensual romantic flirting. And so um, there's always. I call this comedy, but yes, I'm great at that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just lubricating the social wheels, so to speak. Yes. So your superpower is flirting. What's your purpose? Uh, my purpose is definitely to help people to connect socially and find love, whether that's within themselves or outside of themselves. Mm. Love that. What's next? What's next? Well, I guess fall is here. Probably just a pumpkin spice latte is next. <laughs> Nothing fancy at all. Like so, super simple. <laughs> um, now I, I'm working on uh, some curriculum um, that I think we'll try to make available as an online course that's kind of been under development for the better part of 2020. Thanks, COVID, for making me hunker down on that. Um, but, you know, as you, as you know, with your education background, there are always little speed bumps and little challenges. So I, I don't really know <laughs> when to say that will be out in the, the wide, wide world, but that will be next. That will be forthcoming. Awesome. And we'll have you back on the podcast to talk about it when, um, when it's ready to go. I would like that. For those of you new to the podcast, if you've enjoyed today's conversation, head over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. If you haven't already, again, follow us on all the places. Um, we want you to start your week feeling witty and wise and giving a hoot. So if you are interested in signing up, you can get text right to your phone on Mondays, the episode, text at Katie Asks to 81010. I will text, text you the episode each week in addition to a question because I always have questions. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Any last words you'd like to leave us with? I just want to tell everyone as best you can, go out into the world today and be love. Mm. I love that.